0: This is the Reading Aloud Podcast. I'm Marisol Collette. And I'm Adam Colette. And you love us, because we love you. We sure do. And let's get to today's conversation.
1: <laughs> My tummy's growling, so I might eat the microphone or your hand. Nom, 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 nom. Oh, are oh you... that's
0: totally a noise I would make to Neo. That's like a new noise that I've discovered.
1: Randy loves it.
0: Nom, 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 nom. Yeah, I mean, like, that's like a playful papa noise. I mean, it's like Cookie Monster. I, that's yeah. what I was hearing. Yeah. Wait, Cookie Monster? Cookie Monster. Yeah, Cookie yeah. Monster.
1: So last night as we were going to bed, I played down and I was like, you know, White Lotus haunts me. <laughs> and you were like, oh, yeah. What did you say?
0: Well, the second season really was disturbing to me. The first season I I loved and most of the characters in White Lotus, let's just say, are cringeworthy.
1: I loved it. Yeah. I yeah. loved a lot of the characters, even the ones that yeah. got crazy. And
0: they and they each had their own Kind of weird, uniquely redeeming qualities and qualities that made you crazy in the first one. The second one was like hate everybody. It just felt like pure you even evil. Hated
1: Tanya, which is so sad.
0: Yeah, Tanya got annoying.
1: It was so nasty.
0: And the thing that really got me, which is you know what ended up being a, a short conversation between us, is the infidelity stuff and the like cheating stuff. Really it really bothers me. Like it really, it causes me anxiety to watch that. Like it's not enjoyable for me to watch.
1: I wonder if anybody finds it enjoyable. And by that, I mean, people love drama and people love that show. But but that's what I meant by it haunts me. It's just like, and that was the introduction I got was people are going to take it to a level that you can't I think somebody said, like, makes you super uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. After thinking about it, what really gets me is the infidelity or the cheating in secret with people that everybody knows. Mm. You know what I mean? And I don't know if maybe this is like, I'm conditioned to think this or whatnot in our culture. Like, it hits me different When and if folks that haven't seen White Lotus, you know, we would recommend it or I would recommend it. We're going to probably reference some things in there. If you haven't seen, you might not know. But there's this one character who is he's kind of a little bit of a sex addict and he is like hooking up with he's paying for sex there. That hits me a little different than the infidelity between like friends and the sneak and the sneaking around. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know what that means, but like him paying sex workers Mm-hmm. okay, it's, you know, it sucks to see, but like there's, a, there's some other narrative there that mm-hmm. so it hits with me different with the friends running off and like cheating and a husband trying mm-hmm. to like catch them and oh, that just drives me crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. I would say that I agree. I would say particularly like the sex addict piece, I have empathy for addiction. So there's that. His goal was to try to actively work through that. So there wasn't the same sliminess in this se- and that's a
0: great word sliminess yeah. yeah
1: and I think uh lack of self-awareness it, it, the recklessness and I and we of course don't know his history he he was clearly clearly had sex addiction and he he also had probably that addiction to the intensity of the sneaking and the secrecy which you saw later with the friends so I don't know if watching him in another season of his life but like you really cared for him you were like ah dude yeah, right, with him trying to negotiate that. So, but the friend thing, it was just like, this is an active choice. And there's probably sex addiction there too, but like, or potentially, but like, this is an active choice. I'm super into it. There was the finally understand that the like husband and wife who seem so great are also just, they're constantly hurting each other and on purpose. It's like, you get to hurt me. Okay, cool. I get to hurt you. And then we get to play out this. Intense drama to keep something alive in our relationship as opposed to keeping something alive in the relationship not based on Intensity and pain.
0: Mm, That's it right there I feel like we can move this conversation on from specific white lotus But like a lot of our listeners probably maybe y'all have seen it. I don't know just move the conversation on To why that's appealing to people or why people do it and what actually they're avoiding in a relationship Because I think what you said right there is really important in that that kind of addiction to secrecy or this addiction to intensity, in some ways, I think it's an avoidance of true, deeper connection within the relationship. You're scared of being vulnerable within the relationship. So therefore, you're seeking intensity. You're supplementing that with intensity outside.
1: Yeah. In a way, between that couple, there was almost a type of consent. And so I really want to name that like consent to do things is the most important. But when you're just out to one up your partner and bring like a, a level of hurt, I mean, the, the word hurt just keeps coming to mind of like bring a level of hurt in order to bring closeness. I don't want to get into the judgment so much about that, just kind of acknowledging my perspective on it. Um, but I am interested in what the alternative would be and why that makes us uncomfortable and why what we prefer because you know, like there's this whole concept of like makeup sex. And so, you know, it's like you get through a big thing and then you feel a little closer or something bad happens or there's like some risk thing that happens. And what's the lesson there? But I would do want to focus on infidelity in a relationship because, you know, we talked about this once of like, I asked you the question, if I was unfaithful, what would you do? And you're like, I don't know, there'd be circumstantial. Like if you had another family, that would be very different than if you, you know, stepped down on the relationship once or twice or whatever but and then I said to you which was fairly vulnerable of like I wouldn't leave you we'd have to figure out why and I've seen in a lot of my relationships with my friends that that's happened to you know it, some relationships end. it also deteriorates trust in the relationship and then some for some it's highlighted what the an issue in the relationship that needed tending to so it ultimately was a good thing and it was like somebody needed to wake up and that's what it took to wake them up w- why do you hate it so much
0: You know, I think I hate it because I think I hate it or it creates such a reaction in me because love between a couple, I'm so drawn to that. And I'm so moved by that. It's just really hard to watch for me because I I care so much for it. You know, I love so deeply like, you know, this I'm like constantly over the top professing my love for you or something. And I just say it because it's natural. I'm not I'm not trying to be like extra special. It's just it's so meaningful to me. And that's the way that I love that it's painful to watch. It's, It's painful to see somebody care for somebody's heart like that. And just kind of, and I understand that there are there are specific situations and I agree strongly with you that the context matters and it can be open up things. It can like create conversations that are needed to create deeper connection within a relationship. It's like watching something you care about so much and that is like love between two people be torn down.
1: It makes me think about your work, working with Protection of Forests and it's like something you love so much being torn down. Yeah. Destroying something that's so sacred and so meaningful and has so much value in the world. And I think there are people who pray for love, like there are people who are actively praying for love and peace and wellness of all because there is so much out there that tears that down and chooses violence or hurt or pain over love because they are experiencing pain or have experienced violence. I hear you. And it's it's funny because my perspective on love, you know, that's the thing we have in common is like love is the most important thing in the world. And it is, it is such a joy to allow that to ripple out over and over and over, like to love things feels like such a powerful, emotion and something so beneficial to all. You know, I feel like I came to this world like a very loving person. And then of course, as time went on, things things hurt. And so it it was deteriorated and I experienced a lot of that pain. It's almost like, is that the reason we're so connected? Not is that the reason we remain connected because we love deeply, like we chose each other and we love deeply. So we're super connected. But like, is that the thing that brought us together?
0: Yeah, in those kind of initial and building the foundations of our relationship, that is something that we deeply connected on. And something that really built that foundation is both of our connection and commitment to love and not just love each other, love the relationship, but also just to loving things out in the world and trying to approach the world through a lens of love. What's interesting that you that you brought up Conflict is I think sometimes I personally for me I have a tendency to I'm so tied to I think I take love almost too broadly sometimes to where I value peace and love as a gateway to happiness and I think that that messes me up because what it does is it makes me conflict avoidant. And so, you know, this came up for me when you said, like, we come into this world, like, full of love, and then we, you know, we learn pain. And where, you know, there's this longest-running study on human happiness, and some of the primary factors are to, like, quote-unquote, live a happy life, however they define it in this study— Is community and your ability to handle conflict within community. And that could be, that community could also be in a relationship as well. I think that is a huge area of growth for me because I have a tendency to be super conflict avoidant i have a tendency to you know not want to experience the difficulty and i think i cover that up or like throw the blanket over it because i want you know i'm so tied into this concept of maintaining like peace and love not in the hippie way just in like a state of being when i say that it makes everybody think of like you know summer of 69 but like i I don't mean it like that i i mean it in like a you know, maintaining the peace, a connection of love. But like, I forget a lot in my own world that being able to process conflict and being able to navigate difficult situations is actually a critical component to loving deeply. And, you know, that's something I continue to work on and learn and I think evolve as I continue to mature as a, as a person.
1: I think of you as one of the most loving people people if not the most loving person that I know and I see some of my myself in you from but it it feels like an older version of myself and I'm like you're and I think he's still living this he's not jaded in the ways that I feel like I've been jaded and I don't even know if you had had some of the same experiences of betrayal and things like that that I have if you would be in my position and I think that that's a, a core difference of who we are and and I was just reading, I sent this to you, but I was just reading this good little mini article on Enneagram. And uh, did you see it?
0: No, 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 I didn't.
1: Both of us recently were, were, were working with a, a couple of teachers in a class and we got typed um, and we, were, like, we weren't really sure what our type was. And I looked at the whole spectrum of all the different types, but it just now feels so clear that I'm a six, you're a seven. and. And that's what the class typed us at. It is just like, it was so accurate. And that came up around happiness and conflict avoidance in the seven. And so I think we would experience life circumstances very differently regardless. But, you know, I'm so drawn to that and it is so different than happiness because sometimes I look at you and I think you have the capacity for more love than anybody I've ever met and you also can find yourself dissatisfied and unhappy and it is dissonant and so if I look at myself I feel the same way it's like how can I love everything so deeply and not have happiness all the time and find myself in places of that's it yeah Mm. and find myself in places of fear distrust confusion struggle with people when I love so deeply
0: I think you're hitting the nail on the head there with that kind of distinction between love in yourself and four things and happiness that's an important recognition to name that love is different than happiness and that's the all you need is love right well you do need all you
1: need is conflict
0: <laughs> to not be conflict averse <laughs> love love is pure happiness is more complicated What if
1: we tried to bridge that? What if we took our powerful stance on love and bridge that? And I think that that's what people who, you know, are are in a practice like
0: does love take work? No, no. But does happiness take work?
1: I would say it doesn't take work for me because it is ambient to who I am. It's just inherent to who I am. It doesn't take work. Now I have found myself not loving certain things, but if I look down to the core of who I am, so so for example, we use Pleat, our new dog, right? Like there have been times where it has been hard to love him because of his actions. But as a being, I love him. You know, I love him in the way that I love all beings and that I have empathy and compassion and love for all beings. So that supersedes it. But in the moment, in the context of my life, I'm using it as like, but he's not working for me. This isn't working for me. So I'm right. struggling to love him. But I think that's two different kinds of love. So is that work? Does that love well, he's take not, work? Is he
0: not, he's not making you happy in those moments. He's not bringing you joy. That's
1: it. Yeah. So happiness. Yeah. yeah. But of course I love him.
0: Yeah, it's like that, you know, I think we're hitting on like a a lot of what people say around like family. You love them, you don't have to like them kind of thing, right? I do think love in a lot of ways, like love is doesn't necessarily take work, but it can be it can be veiled. And I think that that is also bringing it back to the beginning. Why some of those behaviors that were displayed in the in White Lotus show, why they hurt so much, because that is a way in which love is i don't know it's like love is
1: like you can't access it because it's just like the the access to love like when you sit or you're
0: hiding it you're pushing Mm -hmm. it away and it's always there but Mm -hmm. like i feel like love doesn't necessarily take work but sometimes you need to rediscover it and find it Mm -hmm. in things whereas happiness is this thing that is like constantly working at it it's like training for something like you know if i stopped running I'll, you know, I won't be able to run as far in a year as I was if I was training. So it's like that's happiness is kind of like that consistency and that focus and that work where love is, is a little different.
1: But when we read Thich Han's book, How to Love, it's the simplest concepts. And through that love, you do find happiness. And it mm-hmm. is in quiet spaces that you're reconnecting to this part of yourself that is inherent to who you are. And like you said, it gets masked infidelity in particular because i think that people have different forms of hurt that doesn't hurt everybody i think i think it's a big hurt for a lot of people but i don't think it hurts everybody in the same way and so to differentiate like or just to speak for ourselves and something you said last night you haven't said it yet before but it was really powerful i was very grateful that you shared it with me and i'm curious if you would share it here too i mean obviously cuz we share everything right in the whole world
0: yeah totally thank you for reminding me yeah i mean i think like another reason why the like infidelity stuff is and and it's actually something that I've been much more vocal about in the last I would say two years is that my deep deep struggles with self-worth and you know loving myself and feeling value within myself and and kind of self-worth and so I think one of the things that really really impacts me about seeing that that infidelity or what, what was displayed on white lotus is that would feel to me an ultimate failure of self there would that would just be coded in in shame for me and it would really just i just know at least in my current state and my current kind of way of processing things i would just really that would really be a huge blow to my self-worth because it, it would just make me feel so useless you know not only in the relationship but also like there's this deeper sense like in the world like I'm so defines a lot of who I am my relationships define a lot of who I am and you are my primary relationship so therefore it is such a defining piece of my identity and if you feel like you're failing in a defining piece of your identity then I would feel like a failure a a complete and utter failure in that moment and doing work to recognize that I'm not a failure. And, you know, I, I know the other side, but I fully like feel now, and maybe I would buy into it, you know, that I, I would just feel like a complete failure. So, so that brings up so much fear for me and even watching that, even seeing that it's a possibility, it's kind of like why I don't really like watching scary movies, right? I don't even want that knowledge in my head, it's the same thing with that. Like I don't even want that to like take up space. Take up yeah. space.
1: Yeah, in your brain. You know, which is kind of why I said it haunts me. It t- it it shows up in my head. Unwanted when I don't really feel like I'm not even thinking about it, and it's like oof. Remember that, you know. I think to see horrific things, so we would call that horrific. To see horrific things does start to take up space in your head, and it's the same reason why I don't like to hear. Right now, I can't hear stories about children. That's really devastating. It's very difficult. It just it repeats in my mind. It makes me wonder if that's going to happen to me, and I don't need to be living in that fear. And so I choose not to watch the news. I choose not to hear a lot of things that are. Really devastating that aren't important to know. Meaning, like, if you a friend told me was like telling me vividly a story of watching a car accident and but da da, and I I just like I don't I don't want to hear that. I feel so. I don't need the details of that because they take up space in my brain. I replay them. I never forget them. It's really horrifying. I start to consider, is this going to be my life? I know that there's tragedy. I don't need to know every detail of everybody's tragedy. There are things in my practice as a therapist that I have learned years ago that do not leave my brain. That's a space where I'm... uh, you know willing to hear that and many of the things that i hear that are r- tragic and, and horrific don't they do leave my brain because i somehow create a separation there but there's one or two things particularly when i worked uh, at the va hospital that were that do not leave my brain so i hear that and so first of all i don't know how i would feel if there was infidelity in this relationship other than i would just be super mad and super sad but I don't know how it would impact my self-worth. I do remember distinctly remember feeling so afraid of infidelity that I constantly was looking for it. I thought it might be happening all the time. And I questioned myself and others constantly. I feel very, you know, empathetic to people who are in a relationship with me after the big infidelity was happening in a, in my primary relationship as a young uh, adult. And, I so then people who came after, it was just like, are you sure? Are you sure? What's that about? Lots of questioning, putting people on the spot, making it so that they didn't feel like they could share the truth with me at times because they were so afraid, et cetera, et cetera. And something happened in relationship with you and through a lot of work that I did around that in that I stopped asking those questions, probably asked them more of you and and was more fearful in the beginning. But then at some point I stopped. And the sense that I had at that point was that whatever happened, I could handle, that I would still be okay. Now, the deeper I am in relationship with you, the harder it is to envision life without you. But there was this period of time after we got together that I was like, you know what, I don't need to look for this because if it's happening, it's okay. I don't need to know about it. And if I do find out about it, I can handle it and I would be okay. I would just be okay. So I hear you saying like, you wouldn't be, as of now, you probably wouldn't be okay. Of course you would, but like that it doesn't feel that way.
0: No, having conversations like this, in my opinion, is, is, a, a real essence of this podcast and why it's important that we believe in like having these type of conversations. I don't think either of us are, we, we are all, only our own experts, but we are able to just kind of like discover and, and talk through these things. And I really hope that for folks listening, like this, listening to this conversation creates a conversation about love and happiness and infidelity and all those things within, you know, your own world and within your own relationships. And I just truly believe that like more we talk about this in a way that is safe and vulnerable at the same time, that we'll be able to just create more consciousness and clarity out there in the world. So I just a gratitude for the way in which we're able to just chat through this and then chat through this in a public way. And I and I hope that like understanding those different emotions of happiness love, pain, disappointment, me being conflict avoidant, how does self-worth play into it? Like those are actively evolving and conversations that, in the way that Thich Nhat Han presents it, are can be so fundamental and simple and ever present and yet are so complex at the same time.
1: Right, because we won't be Thich Nhat Hanh status. Although I sometimes call you that, and sometimes I call you that in a good way and sometimes in a bad way.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, totally. <laughs> May you rest in peace, Thich Nhat Hanh. Like, he had an ability to just present it in such a simple way and remind us of that. I think some of the beauty of recognizing the simplicity of it is the, is the consistency and the, the omnipresence of all of these emotions, that they're always there within ourselves. There's another side, and, and it's important to be able to transition. So
1: how are we going to find love today? How are we going to f- get back to the foundation of love? For me, it feels like patience and pausing, like really cons- thinking about it and patience. It's like slowing down.
0: Yeah, slowing down is, I think, such a big thing like taking the time to notice and appreciate and living a life of gratitude I think breeds love within your heart which therefore breeds you you seeing love out there in the world more
1: Yeah. I had a client of mine ask me the other day, they were like, how do you live your life with a toddler and all of the, and running, you know, different parts of your business and all of that. And, you know, she was like talking about living life to the fullest. How do you do that? And, you know, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard in this particular season of our lives, but I guess capitalizing on the small
0: moments. One of the ways that I want to work on um, and continue to kind of deepen in my practice of is just the like one thing at a time. Take things on one thing at a time. The word consistency comes up in it for me a lot. And I don't exactly know know, what that means, but that consistency and focus and just continuing to do things that bring me joy Mm -hmm. consistently, even if they're small. But doing things, having conversations, approaching things in a way that brings me joy and doing that consistently, like understanding that I can't just get there's this concept of like I need a complete reset and it's like I need a complete reset every five minutes or I'm going to go and I'm going to take a weekend away and Mm then check out. And I think we might have even talked about this, but how can I do that consistently throughout the day Mm -hmm. through small things? And that is, you know, focusing on my breath. That is taking Mm -hmm. time to move that is like uh, so when I was first training as an organizer and you call people, you phone bank people, you call them to ask them for money or you call them to ask them to take action on something. One of the biggest tips that we always give people is smile while you dial when you're smiling and you're asking somebody something like that comes across the phone. I'll do that like I'm having a conversation and I'll say something that I'm excited about or I'll say my question. I'll just give a big old smile Mm. to no one just to me. It helps me stay present and positive in the conversation. That's really helpful. Mm.
1: So that's something you... you can and do incorporate in your everyday life, and when we listen to the podcast, the happiness of silence, that's really stood out to me of those silent moments, and always orienting to my surroundings. So you know, taking a walk with Neo, he's pausing, he's being really distracted. We can't get five feet without looking at every rock, looking around, noticing a flower, doing things like that. It's simple, but it does create a little bit of that recognition of fundamentals. All right, well,
0: let's I love you. try that today.